Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. Very excited today because I'm joined by Rachel and Chloe. Oh, we're back. (laughs) You know what's so great? You guys have had so long to get your shit together for the beginning of this show, and you just never have. (laughs) You know what? We're kind of like a flyby the seat of your pants kind of guy. Sure. Also, I just have to elephant in the room. I know my pants are really wrinkly, and I'm really self conscious about it. Why would you? Why in the world would we care? You know, I don't know. I just wanted to share. I'm wearing. The baggiest pants I own, and a sweatshirt that says "Stay Chill." And nothing matches, and it looks like sixty degrees through a wind tunnel. I did. (laughs) I literally woke up with my hair and makeup from last night and came to Allison's. They both walked in, and I go, "How are you?" And Chloe went, "Still high." (laughs) So that's where we're at. And Rachel's like, "I'm sorry, my pants are (laughs) wrinkly." I'm so embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Uh, uh, I own a steamer, okay? I do too. Yeah, I love steaming. Do you have a mini portable one? That's yeah, the I one do. I have. Hell yeah. Ooh, I need Hell one of those. Yeah. And a leopard print bag that <gasps> it goes inside. I don't have the leopard print bag, but I feel like I want to oh my now. my God, I do. Ooh. Wow. Okay. I didn't know I wanted it, but I do. So should we recap what happened last night? Yeah. Let's right, start I was talk. very well behaved. Let's start from New yeah. Jersey. Yeah, oh we'll start with New Jersey. I forgot. Oh, that, we was, that was the same day. Yeah. Went to New Jersey. We went to a improv festival in yes. New Jersey. In Newark. Nar. Newark. The organizers were very nice. Very so lovely. So lovely. Very on their shit. It was very well organized. All credit to them. We showed up and offended everyone. We yeah. were naughty. Yeah. We were I monsters. don't know what happened, but first of all, we're in the elevator riding up to the floor and we've been making New Jersey jokes all day, mm-hmm. which I am the only one who should be allowed to do that because yeah. I was born <laughs> yeah. in New Jersey. <laughs> but my entire team, we're making Jersey jokes because it's very edgy to make fun of New Jersey. So yes. edgy. like It's like no, never yeah. been done before. Never been done before. It's very fresh. Not at all hacky. So we're trying to get out all of the bad New Jersey jokes yeah. So we're not assholes on stage. Mm-hmm. So instead, <laughs> so instead we made a ni- several 9/11 references. It wasn't we, even the 9/11 reference. It's that pure insanity was happening while the scene was taking place at the 9/11 memorial. Yeah. That Dear was God. the location. I felt so icky. Chloe and I fucked at the 9/11 memorial, okay? Yeah, yeah it like hardcore fucked. Yes. Um it happened. We can never take it back. We can only move forward, all right? But it happened. And then as though, so... Else, or Rachel popped some tits at the 9-11 memorial. Rachel popped uh, out a tit at the 9-11 memorial. Not really. It was like a fake tit pop. A fake yeah. tit pop. But right. me and Allison's and fucking was real. We that could actually fuck on stage. Yeah. I want to be very we clear about very that. Because we were very clear about it last night. So uh, a man walked out of our show. <laughs> so he didn't even make it through, like... It's fine. Keep going. Uh, he didn't even make it through, like... I don't, like there was more 9-11 stuff to come and he missed a lot of it. I believe it was the first time someone said the 9-11 memorial and he was just like nope and he got Bye. up and he walked out and I was like there he goes and then as the it was like we were not satisfied with having made several <laughs> 9-11 we called back to it why did we go we, back yeah. to it back to the 9-11 memorial yep I and was like so I was like am I doing this again am I okay then we just made fun of Christianity which yeah. I'm fine with. That yeah, was okay. I love that. That was okay, but specifically Jesus dying and res- yeah. being resurrected, um, <laughs> which I turned into a Frito Lay commercial. Yeah, yeah, that which was I was so pretty fun. proud of. No, that was, was a great Frito Lay commercial. It was me talking to Judas. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was like, wow. It was almost like we were like, okay, let's not be offensive about New Jersey. So then we were 9 11 and Christianity. Yeah. We got it. Yep. 
so we got it. Then we decided to go out. Yeah. So the, after that, we were yeah. like, okay, let's take a car back into the city and go out. So we ended up at Stonewall. Did you just remind Rachel that you owe her money? Yeah, I think I owe but you for the Chloe car. didn't want to be distracting about it, so she was just miming like the money gesture and then mouthing at Rachel, I owe you money. Never the time or place. Yeah. She doesn't know. <laughs> but I'll, you can, but I'll 100% forget if I don't get it phone, out now. Make a note. That is less distracting. It's true. That is true. Um, so we went out yeah. and... Um, My night wasn't that crazy. I No, mine wasn't either. I just either. danced a lot. You did dance a I lot. I danced... I was sleepy. A I lot was on stage. Yeah. Baby. I, sleepy, sleepy, sleepy. I had a night. I had a night. Chloe had the night. Chloe had the night. <laughs> we're, so, okay. We're, so, first we went to an open bar. Yeah, uh, we had one free drink. We one had drink, a drink at an open bar. Which wasn't great. That was the worst place on earth. It was I'm like. I'm so sorry. No, I thought, no, no, no. I thought it no. went till 1030. It only went till 10. No, no, no. That was we fun and drink. not your fault. Um, but it was just like the worst um, people in the world were there. Yeah. Yeah. All straight people. Why was that floor so sticky? So I don't sticky. Know. And, like at like three a.m. Yeah, I get it. Everyone's drunk. Drinks are spilling. It was, it was nine. 10. It was nine <laughs> o'clock. It was nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was nine. Glow. They were acting like it was four a.m. Yeah. When we left, people a were... girl had run over to a reserved yes. booth, picked up a stack of napkins, and thrown them in the air like she was making like it, it rain. rain. Ugh. Ay, these children. Oh boy! So then we we got out of there. <laughs> yeah, we were like, let's go to Stonewall because you gotta gotta. And uh, Chloe had a night. I had a night on the way there. You were taking Molly. Yep, that yep. happened. Yep, yeah. <laughs> uh, more than I thought I did. Yep. Uh, so I had so I had tequila and something at the open bar. Then I took Molly. Then I had a you know, tequila and uh, soda. soda, which is weird. Yeah. It yeah. was actually not bad. Okay. But I don't like tequila or soda, but it, like somehow together it worked. <laughs> uh, so I had that. Had Took Molly. Uh, had another tequila something. And then my best, bestest friend, dangerous woman. Julia. Julia. It's like... She sends when she texts you. It's like she sends out a bat signal of destruction, mm-hmm. and we're all just like, "Oh, it's like no. exciting." It's like when you're like uh, like about to like kiss someone. It's like exciting and nervous. Mm-hmm. And you're like, "What's gonna happen?" That's, right. what's, that's, that's what's gonna happen. That's, that's like Julia comes out. And then, are you scared when you're about to kiss someone? Not like uh like you're not like um what's the like not, not like, anxious not like like fluttery like, fluttery like oh god when jo- like i oh, don't feel that okay way. no that's right oh no no i, I kind of do i think <laughs> well if it's like a man i, I don't want to kiss it's like oh maybe god <laughs> i'm like maybe that's <laughs> funny you bring that up chloe so so julia the goddess she is walks in immediately we hug each other she goes do you want jello shots yeah two jello shots are in my i hand. went to the bathroom and i came back and you're like julia's here and i did jello shots <laughs> i was like i was gone I miss? five minutes yep uh then took three shots of fireball in oh. i would say two minutes charles charles was oh, working no. he yep. brought us free shots i did julia not rejected it i was like oh, I, I cannot do a shot I took of fireball. everyone shot for them no julia did mine yeah uh and then had some more drinks long story short Oh, I also danced with Jason, who is not a good dancer. Oh, God. Don't say that on the air. Jason's never going to listen to Can I this. tell you that? I was surprised by he's not he's a like, good dancer. I honestly wasn't paying attention because I was so... No, you were. Because you and Hallie dancing. both looked you at both me and you went... dancing. And you, and you looked pointing at them. And then <laughs> I was standing there staring at them. And I both looked at you and I was like, he's bad. 
he's bad. Like you all yeah, clocked everyone that looked, he's a bad dancer. And I was saying, help. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just laughing at you because you were making weird faces when you were dancing. That's why was I was bad. pointing. Yeah, it was oh, weird. Baby. And then Julia was like, I'm going to go down and get a drink because I think she knew it was weird. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, uh, you guys, le- everyone leaves except me, Julia, and that's it. Uh, yep. <laughs> I end up, me and Julia are just like dancing and I like look at this guy and I'm like, oh, he's very, very gay. He's like, he was like very feminine, long hair, but like facial hair. Yeah. Like, Jonathan Van Ness. Like, he looked like him. Kind of, well, like a Did shorter, younger version. With Jonathan uh, from Queer Eye. Shorter, younger. We find out if he's, if he's bi. Hello. He's, he or might straight. Be. Um, but he was like very cute. He was wearing <laughs> trying, like. <laughs> trying to say I'm you, interested. Yeah, right, right. And he had like one of those like floral button ups, like my type. But uh, wait, I saw this. Man. I saw this guy walk in because I clocked him. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. He was. Was he like hot or was it drugs? No, he was hot. Okay, good, good, good. Because we like made eyes and we like started doing a bit where we were like, "What?" And we just like kept looking at each other. <laughs> and we were, like, and for, it went on for like one or two minutes, and I was like, "Okay." And then we got like we we like kept getting close and dancing and backing up, and it like honestly, it would have been very hot if it was a woman, but it wasn't. So I was just like, "This is yeah." Fun. But drunk Chloe doesn't care. Yeah, drunk Chloe doesn't care. Like. <laughs> uh, so we were like being like weirdly flirty and dancy, end up hardcore making out. Sure. Separate, come back, make out. Separated, found Julia, made out. We made out like three or four times. Uh-huh. Uh, eventually we leave the bar. Julia and I are just hanging out. We're like, I love you so much. I love you so much. And we just like looked at each other. And I think it, it might, it probably was me. I was like, this is going to be so weird. She's like, okay. And we were just like, and then, <laughs> and then we were just like, I love you so much. I love you so much. Oh, so you packed. Yeah, we didn't make. Oh, okay. I did not make out with Julia. Because we got a text that you're like, Julia and I also kissed, but in a platonic way. And I was like, was it what? platonic? Oh, it was very platonic. Okay. Uh, it was so lovely. Uh, <laughs> and then made friends was with a couple platonic? more guys. Uh, oh, yeah. And then, oh, and then the other guy. <laughs> and then uh, a little Jonathan came back out. He was like, hey, let me get your number made out again and then cool. he left and then he texted me and wants to hang out this week and i said apparently i didn't say no can i yeah. go in your Chloe place goes, i said no and we're like yes, what you did can. you actually say and she's like i said i was gonna be in atlanta this week and we're she like, said That's you're not, very hot you're i'm very gonna hot. be in atlanta that's not saying no <laughs> chloe but in, in my mind that's like that's obviously saying, that's a no no that's saying no. i'm unavailable but i'm interested yes oh okay so you next time you, you just don't reply Oh, I didn't reply. He asked. I mean, did after you called him hot. You don't reply. Oh, no, but then he asked something else. If you're actually else. not interested, if you're interested. <sighs> My heart hurts. I don't want to ever leave someone on unread or unanswered ever. I mean. Well, then just say, hey, I'm gay. Or oh, yeah, that's if true. you're not. <laughs> no, I am. I was on drugs. He was very hot, though. Yeah. I'll set you guys up. He was really hot. You don't have to hang up with someone I made out with. <laughs> that's weird. That's the new rule. <laughs> that's the new rule. Guys, it's a Monday episode, so what does that mean? I have an exciting interview for you. An interview. (laughs) Wow. Again, they just had so long (laughs) to get their shit together, and that was... I apologize, okay? Because the person I interviewed deserves something way better than that. So much better. Guys, I spoke with the wonderful, the insanely talented Sarah Mm. Benacasa. We Mm. have been friends for many, many years she is one of those rare combinations of extraordinarily talented and and a wonderful human being. I love oh. that combo. And you should follow her on Twitter at Sarah J. Benacasa. She's also on Instagram. Um, by all of her work, she is a very accomplished author. Mm-hmm. 
man, her work is just everywhere, and you should buy it wherever you find it. You know, you see it, you, you know? buy it. You see it, that's you buy my it. rule. See yeah. you buy it. That's yeah. It. Uh, so please enjoy my interview with Sarah Benacasa. Well, thank you so much for doing the show. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me on yeah. the show. Uh, I wanted to ask you because uh, this show that everyone is currently listening to is a little bit different because while we do talk about politics and news, I also like to check in with people about what's making them happy right now. So I wanted to ask you, Sarah Benacasa, my dear friend, what Hello. are, <laughs> what are you <laughs> watching or reading or listening to right now that's giving you joy? Well, I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks because I found that it, it almost mimics the experience of being read to as a kid at night. Mm. And in, but in like a, a, a glorious way, because I have no emotional sentiment attached to the person <laughs> reading to me. <laughs> right. I'm not like, whatever, mom and dad. Um, so I've been listening to to audiobooks and I love it so much that I guess the ones that I'm listening to the most, I'm going to pull them up on my, on my app here are, um, so I've been listening to the state of affairs, rethinking infidelity by Esther Peril, because mm-hmm. I'm writing a couple of projects that have to do with one has to do with emotional affairs and the other has more to do with like physical affairs. Mm. And then uh, also the wisdom of Sundays by Oprah Winfrey, which is like <laughs> her interviewing people on Super Bowl Sunday. I just finished the gentle art of Swedish death cleaning by Margareta Magnusson. Oh my God. It's basically about like getting rid of all your shit before you die yeah. and how it makes your life better. And then one that I've been listening to for a really long time, because it's just so long, is um, Genius of Place, The Life of Frederick Law Olmsted, who um, was the co-designer of Central Park and I think of the Emerald Necklace in Boston. And he was also an abolitionist. He wasn't always an abolitionist. He was sort of uh, on the fence and middling about it and then was sent by this early the early version of the paper that became the New York Times down south to be this undercover journalist talking about quote unquote plantation life and ended up becoming a hardcore abolitionist during that journey and um was a really really interesting person wow so uh, those things make me happy to listen to them so interesting so did you discover those books because someone recommended them to you or you just like randomly became interested in certain topics well, I started with Fred, my boy Fred, Frederick Law Olmsted, because he's my number one celebrity crush nice. uh, for, for several years. He was very attractive. But I wanted to learn more about him. I, I mean, I love, you know, I used to live in New York and I love Central Park um, and wanted to get to know sort of more about this person. And so I started with that. And then it just kind of expanded from there as I found kind of various interests started coming up for me. I've been single for a few years uh, for the most part. And so I've spent a lot of time alone. I live alone and um, it's, I've sort of had the time and space to explore things that um, I didn't before because I just would put all my energy into my relationship and work. And like, yes. that was it. That was my whole life. Yeah. Isn't that fun when it's like a second job? 
Yeah. When you're like, I can make this work. This does not feel good, but I can make this work. And you know, you like, we can delude ourselves into thinking we're also doing the other person a favor for Mm -hmm. that reason. Like if I just don't tell them how unhappy I am, it'll be fine. (laughs) They don't want to be probably with someone else. They're a total sociopath. They probably don't want to be with someone they're making miserable. And if they are a total sociopath, you need to run in the other direction. Um, so, uh, basically I have time for audiobooks now, which is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, I uh, I also live alone, and it's amazing how, like, well, first of all, I'm, like, so busy, but when I do have downtime, like, it's weird. I've, I, previously, when I was hosting Citizen Radio, I hosted Citizen Radio for, like, 10 years, and I host a new podcast, but I never really listened to podcasts before, and now I sort of play them, like, just having the radio on in the background, um, and guys, I don't know if you know this, but podcasts are really good. I would recommend them to you. They are. They are really good. And I mean, as an author, and I know that that you've written a book as well, like that um, it's during the writing process, I tend like writing a book, I tend to not read anything else because I am afraid that I will copy it. Yeah. Uh, Not like, like not in the plagiarizing sense, but in the sense that I will start to mimic the voice of the author but then I found over time that I, I was also neglecting books when I was not in the middle of writing one. So audiobooks are this cool way of getting literature back into my life. Yeah, I, I recently thought about I, I got to start listening to audiobooks because now that I'm used to listening to podcasts, like the other day I was like, oh, man, I ran out of true crime podcasts. And it's like, well, I could go <laughs> listen to a book like that's also an option. Me. Podcasts are the gateway drug to audiobooks, which when we were younger um, were like just something that older people listened to. Yeah. But now they are sort of for everybody and podcasts are the gateway drug for the more youthful individual to get into that shit. Cause it's pretty fun. I really like it. Uh, cause I've been doing a lot of improv recently and obviously when you do improv, they stress, uh, what UCB calls athletic listening, like very, very active listening. So listening to podcasts and I'm sure listening to audiobooks would actually be a really great exercise for people on active listening. It is. And it's interesting too listening to this Oprah, um, audiobook where she interviews these different people about, uh, spiritual teachers whose work has, has helped her. And it's very interesting listening to it because unless she's faking it, and I don't think she is, she gets so into it that she sometimes misses something the person said and has Mm -hmm. to go back and ask them again. And it's not, it's, it's so it's oddly relatable because it's not that she's um, it. She doesn't sound like she's spacing out at all. She sounds like the type of person and I can be this way too. Maybe this is the only way that I'm like, Oprah. (laughs) I would like to be more like Oprah, but um, where she gets so excited when somebody says one thing that she's like, ah, like she's freaking out right. in the same way that she you like you've seen her on TV when she gets really stoked about something yeah this un this unvarnished uncynical enthusiasm but sometimes she'll miss the next couple things they say so then we'll have to go back and it's a really someone who's been a broadcaster and interviewer you know she's been doing it for like 40 years or something or not that long maybe 30 years it's really interesting to hear someone's listening style like it, mm. it's kind of teaching me more I think about about interviewing I think which I do at a limited basis, just sometimes I'll, I'll like write for bust or something like that. But it's very interesting to hear that. I love the idea of there being different listening styles because I used to get really frustrated with myself because 
um, sometimes someone would say something and I would get so excited about like, oh, I'm also into that thing that like I couldn't wait to like burst in and be like, no, I'm also obsessed with that. But now that like I've I've interviewed a lot of people and, you know, just the experience of getting older and, and talking to all different types of people. I really love when you have those conversations where someone like can't contain themselves because they're so excited about what we're talking about. Like, I think that's really cool. Uh, yeah, I think so too, because uh, I mean, I understand what it's like, especially coming out of stand up, which I did stand up for a number of years and then segued more into um, writing. And I'll, I'll do storytelling now and again, and on very, very occasion rare occasion I'll actually do stand up, but I, I have enough respect for it to recognize that to be actually good at it, you have to be doing it a lot and mm. it's, you have to be in the gym doing it. And like, so I have enough respect for that, that art, that art form to be like, you know, not call myself a stand up uh, anymore. But, um, but like through, you know, all of that, I, I, I think that there was this, trend and I don't know if it's among just comedians or if it's among specifically stand-ups or if it was among stand-ups in the 2000s or what but there is this kind of uh, trend of being or this this habit perhaps and of being sort of arch and sort of like removed from the world and a little bit better than and everything is ironic or sarcastic or what have you and I love sarcasm mm. uh it is glorious <laughs> but I really appreciate that honest sincere excitement when people display it i feel like it gives the rest of us permission yeah to just be goofy sometimes yeah i really have like an allergic reaction now to detachment and sarcasm and i i think that is from improv because like no one wants to watch a scene where people are like being ironic and like too cool for school and detect like it's just there's no mm -hmm. way to connect with a person when they're basically disrespecting an audience because they're denying their real feelings like that that's what sarcasm and detachment are it's like I'm either too afraid to be vulnerable right now or I don't respect the audience enough so I like I, I do value a lot of stand-up comedy but there at least in mainstream stand-up comedy there is this trend of sarcasm and hostility that's very off-putting for me yeah and it's it's i i recognize it as a i mean i'm you know my father's family's irish perhaps you relate and so I, <laughs> perhaps. I perhaps i recognize sarcasm and um and using one's wit as an age-old mechanism for all kinds of different things mm. in society. And there's a grand Irish tradition of like a dry wit sarcasm that tends to be very dour and downbeat. And, and I, and, and there's a lot of that comes out of a lot of historical context and a lot of different things. And you kind of see that across cultures, like humor as humor as a weapon, humor as a tool for survival, all kinds of things. And, and so I get that and I enjoy it, but what I have noticed over time moving in the comedy world for so long as you have as well is that um, I I love I find hanging out with improvisers to be deeply refreshing because improv comedy teaches you at least how it's practiced here in the states like kind of the traditional schools of improv if we can say that now yeah. um, the traditional <laughs> schools of improv are about listening eye contact as you said like athletic listening it's about um, give and take it's mm -hmm. about yes and and all of that means that 
you are not the only person on stage. And that means that everything doesn't live or die by you. So you're not the center of the world. And that is a wild thing to someone who like me, um, comes out of, came out of stand up where it's just, it's, it's a lot of dog eat dog and, you know, solo stuff. I still don't like, it's not like I love going to see improv. Um, (laughs) but I love going to see improvisers because when improvisers go on to do, whether they go into stand up, they go into acting or whatever, like you see their willingness to take chances and there is a flexibility to what they do because improv inherently requires you to be vulnerable. And I think that translates really well to dramatic acting too. Yeah, it it really is wild and improv because some of the people who are just considered like rock stars within the community are what's called support players where they literally will be silent throughout an entire scene just doing support work and maybe they get like one line in but it's the perfect line at the perfect time and they were listening the whole time and if you watch shows like that with like improvisers you know what's happening the place just goes nuts but it's so antithetical to stand-up culture right because that person wasn't the center of attention the whole time so for somebody with possibly more narcissistic tendencies that would be very difficult to do to just be on stage, but deliberately not making yourself the center of attention. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that it, it it requires one, I think to probably one reason why when I tried improv like once when I was younger or something that I found it so terrifying Mm. was that I was very much mired in I think the narcissistic tendency of, you know, not just, I I can say certainly perhaps of my personality, but also probably of where I was at developmentally, like at the kind of tail end, the fairy tale end of adolescence, which I was like 24, 25. And, um, also it, I didn't have enough confidence in myself to believe that if I goofed up or fucked up, or didn't listen well enough or fell down or whatever it was on stage that it would be okay. And that the world would keep moving. Right. And, um, I think now I probably would be, uh, I I probably would do better at it and probably in terms of like give and take and, and being more willing to take chances. Um, but it seems like a great tool for everybody. I mean, I'm sure it's been a great tool for you in your life. Oh, yeah. I, I really th- encourage everyone to try it at least once because it is so valuable in like whatever field you're in, however you're living your life. Um, I always think people learning to listen better is a universal tool that we can all use. But uh, going back to what you were saying before, I, I find that writers have a hard time doing improv too, because I, I know for myself, at least early on, it's really hard not to write in your head before just stepping out like the whole idea is not to think but writers that's very very difficult for us oh yeah that's like an insane thing for us to contemplate like what are you talking about you know i don't i don't (laughs) think but that's all that's where all my power comes from that's where all my success comes from such as it is or if i don't feel that i have success yet that's where it's going to come from Mm. Yeah, a hundred percent. So while I still have you, uh, what was the last movie you saw? Oh gosh, the last movie I saw, I should know this. <sighs> oh, 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 oh! It was um, uh, what is it called? It's it's a. I feel bad that I'm having trouble remembering this. No, I love this so, game. Describe it. 
I'm like, ah, so it's for Netflix and David Wayne directed it. And it is, uh, uh, I think it is a, it's about, um, Doug Kenny, who was the founder, uh, one of the founders along with Henry Beard of National Lampoon. It's a, a futile and stupid gesture. And so there's a oh. few people that I, I know, uh, who, well, that I know a little bit that are in it, but, um, it's really good. It's uh, my friend John Daly's in it as Bill Murray, oh, and he's him. like, he's so good. He does such a and because he doesn't physically look like Bill Murray, but no. he does a fantastic job of embodying that character because he's just so fucking good. Um, and yeah, uh, but Will Forte, who I wish I knew, is the lead, and also um, so good. He's so awesome. There's a bunch of just different people popping up, and Armin Weitzman has this great cameo as. Um, as Lauren Michaels, that's really oh like, my God. it was interesting because it's, I think it's hard to, when you have to play a character who's a person, who's a real life person who not only has the audience possibly seen the real life person um, act or speak, they've probably also seen caricatures of the real life person. Mm. So to embody that person in a way that is not ridiculous, but that feels very natural is hard. And, and Armin did that really beautifully. And I think John did that really well. And it's cool. I mean, um, I think, uh, Gemberling plays, uh, Belushi and oh. there's just this really interesting, um, it's the way it's cast is great because it's also a lot of like, sort of comedians who came out of that uh, who come out of UCB and who mm. came out of that quote unquote alt comedy world. Um, and so it's, it's neat to see sort of this younger generation portraying these heroes of a much older generation. And it's good. I think it's very sensitively directed and um, it, it it's, doesn't have easy answers. So there's the pleasure of watching it if you're into films from that era that came out of that world. But there's also the pleasure of watching it and like seeing people give really good performances. That's awesome. So, um, and last recommendation question. Uh, what are you what music are you listening to right now? Oh, I've been listening to. Um, let's see. I've been listening to some Kendrick Lamar. I've been listening yeah. to a, a Canadian singer songwriter named Bazia Boulay or Boulat. Maybe I always say her name wrong. It's B U L A T. So I've been listening to her, um, a lot. She's really, really great. I mean, I have an album that is of hers. It's like almost, it's like a year and a half old, but I listen to it still, um, just all the time. It's very, very good. And opening up, what am I listening to the most? Um, I'm still listening to DJ Khaled's album Grateful. <laughs> I'm listening to some Bieber. Uh, I'm coming off of a heavy Ryan Adams phase. Nice. And yeah, last year I I wrote a lot to this like Spotify mix that was the all the songs um, from the the Luke Cage soundtrack. And oh. then there's also like original compositions for that soundtrack by Raphael Sadiq that are really really great. So. A mix of all that stuff. Nice. Um, and is there anything you want everybody to check out of your work? Yeah, I would say uh, uh, Real Artists Have Day Jobs is my most recent book. So check that out. And I just wrote uh, <laughs> I just wrote a pilot that I'm trying to decide 
maybe you can tell me, Allison, what you mm, think. Okay. China, it's about a woman who's in a long-term sexless relationship. Okay. Um, and she uh, has an, um, an ongoing emotional affair that takes place online. Mm-hmm. She, she actually, uh, you know, after years of wondering about it, steps out and has a one-night stand with a guy, a different guy. So there's like the physical aspect. Um, and right now it's called wanting because all the characters in it want things that they don't have. Mm. But, uh, I also kind of want to call it codependent as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) You're in, you're a network executive or showrunner. What do you think? Uh, it comes across your desk. Which do you like better? Obviously, you know, I would choose codependent, codependent as fuck. That's hilarious. Uh, so that would be my vote. (laughs) Okay, cool. Cause you can always change the title. You know, I mean, I want to, um, I I would love to one day, you know, write, I've never, I've adapted a couple of my books. One is a pilot, one is a feature, but I would like to write on a TV writing staff. And so it doesn't mean that the, you know, that the pilot would ever, would ever be made or anything, although that would be cool. And you can always change a name, but I I just feel like codependent as fuck is, is more honest about what it's actually about. It's about somebody who I relate to very much, um, coming out of a certain period of my life, certainly who's like, truly believes that her worth is dependent on who likes her, whether it's her mom, her, her boyfriend who won't fuck her, the guy she bones, uh, her students. She's a high school teacher, which I used to be long ago. So I think codependent as fuck probably makes more sense. I love that. And I sincerely hope that remains the title. <laughs> uh, if it ever were to get bought and put on air, that would be so magical. I mean, queer as, as folk was called queer as fuck in Britain. And then yeah. they changed it. For American audiences because they were like, <laughs> we can either give them profanity or gay sex, but not both. Yeah, no, because and, and they, this was before in like sort of our common the lingua franca of the Internet. We would say like AF, you yes. know, like queer AF. So, you know, if only it had come along a few years later, they could have just done that. Exactly. Uh, well, thank you so much for doing the interview. And uh, everybody go check out Sarah's work. She's the best. Dude, you're the best. I'm so stoked what? that you're doing this this podcast. This is really cool. Thank you for having me on. Of course. Talk to you later. Thanks again to Sarah. Please follow her on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere on social media. Let her know you enjoyed her interview. All that good stuff. Guys, it's that time of the episode. I apologize, but we will get through it together. Here is your bad news. Bad news. <laughs> Just awful. Both of my bad news articles today have to do with Trump. Go figure. Who could have predicted? Who would have crazy? Did you guys see when he was talking about the Paralympic Games? Oh, I saw a pull quote Uh, from it. And he said that they are tough to watch. Yep. That's the one I saw. What? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. I can't be surprised, but what? Yeah, I know. So the organization tweeted on Saturday in response to that awful comment. Record numbers of people around the world are not finding Paralympics tough to watch. Billions of viewers now take in the Paralympics in hundreds of countries around the world. We hope the U.S. president continues to watch and be inspired by the Paralympics. Which is a classy as fuck response to Uh him being an ableist piece of shit yet again. Yet again. um, By the way. The Paralympic athletes are 
amazing athletes. Unreal. Can do so much that I I will never be able to do. Yeah, and uh, that he, Trump could never do. Oh, my no. God. So I don't know well, what he's he finding tough Wait, is to it watch. Is, is it tough to watch because it hurts his ego? Maybe. I don't know. I, like he. This is the guy who made fun of a disabled reporter yes. as yeah. well in Again, a really offensive way. I just can't imagine if this had happened, if any president before this had said this. It would be like like if Obama had said that, yeah, a gigantic, yeah, like huge. it's a it's a deal, but it would be the big scandal, and this is like, it's all right, what are you going to yeah. do next? So I'm going to get to the um, White House press correspondence dinner mm, in a yes. second, but it's going to be in the good news yes. <laughs> section because Michelle Wolf was so oh, good. My yes, God. baby. But when that was happening, the White House Correspondents' Dinner, Trump was holding one of his fucking fascist rallies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he once again advocated to, uh, for a wall to be built on the border with Mexico and said that he threatened to close down the country if the border wall didn't get funding. What? What if that happened while we were in Cuba? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just thinking, like, are we stuck there? Are, well, are we prepared to just live in Cuba? I am. I, I have to be at a wedding. <laughs> I love that that's the thing that's stopping Rachel. My boyfriend is in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, uh, I can't. I can't uh. Yeah, so he said uh, that wall has started. We have $1.6 billion. That's so much money that could be used for so many things. We come up again on Saturday, on September 28th, and if we don't get border security, we will have no choice. We will close down the country because we need border security. Um, and by the way, the rally was in Michigan. I forgot to mention that. He made a similar threat in March to push for changes in immigration law that he says would prevent criminals from entering the country. <laughs> the government briefly shut down in January over immigration. But... My jaw's on the floor. So we're going to get to this in a second. Because I do want to talk about Michelle Wolf and the White House Mm -hmm. Correspondents' Dinner. Just keep this story in mind as we go into the the good news section of uh, the show. Because curiously, I didn't hear as many uh, people in the press and pundits getting offended about these comments Mm -hmm. as they did about Michelle Wolf's. Yeah. Oh. So interesting. Guys, here is... And if you haven't watched it, do go watch it because she did a great job. Here is your good news. We're doing good news. It's the good news, babies. Guys, Michelle Wolf did a great job oh hosting the White House Correspondence Center. By the way, she's great in general. She uh, does whiplash or did whiplash when it was at UCB. I caught her and it was amazing. She's great. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The only whiplash I went to was her fucking piece of shit, CK. Yeah. Uh, Pete Holmes. It was, I just oh, went wow. to the it was best. Stacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then I never went back. Um, she's always been great. She's a very good joke writer, very funny, very nice person. Um, so I was excited that she was going to host the White House Correspondence Center. She did a great job. But 
now all of these pundits are like feigning outrage because she made a joke about uh it wasn't even a joke it was a genuine compliment that sarah huckabee sanders (laughs) yeah does a great smoky eye when she's doing her makeup it was a genuine compliment (laughs) she was like it looked good so fucking maggie haberman uh of the new york times tweets making fun of a woman's appearance it was uh mind you trump is holding a fascist rally saying he's going to build a wall families are getting torn apart at the border he is promoting racism xenophobia unending war people don't find that offensive but michelle says smoky eye and conservatives who by the way constantly accuse liberals of being snowflakes and oversensitive Mm -hmm. yes screaming and crying yes. over some imagined slight against I, Sarah also, Huckabee here's, Sanders. Uh, here's Sorry. my thing. Even even if she was making fun of the smoky eye to the point, like, even if she dragged it, even if she read it, the yeah. house down, um, I don't mind, like, that's not someone's physical appearance. Right. Yeah. That's something that they're adorning themselves yes. with. You know what I mean? I do get that. But here's the thing. Conservatives are the ones who constantly made fun of Hillary Clinton's appearance, called her ugly, called her yes. terrible, terrible things. And now they're pretending like that's something that's sacred to them. Yeah. It's like you're being no. hypocrites about it. I, I don't think a woman's appearance should should be mocked, obviously. But that's not what Michelle Wolf did. And that's no. not was what not she even would the do. joke at all. Yeah, she's not that kind of comedian. She's a very smart, insightful and it was like, comedian. I had like, uh, watching it, she was so funny, but it, I was so uncomfortable watching it just because the room was so cold. Yeah. It was, yeah. And she handled it incredibly. So the reason a lot of people in the press are mad is there's a part uh, when she was speaking where she said, I think you guys love Trump. Yeah, because yeah. she's like really got real. She's yeah. like you. He's the reason you're selling newspapers and people are watching your networks. I think you love him, and I think you love this presidency. And much like when Stephen Colbert hosted, that struck really close yeah. to home. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget the day after Stephen Colbert hosted the White House Correspondents Center, which now is considered one of the most brilliant satirical performances yes. of all mm-hmm. time. He got lambasted yeah. for that. Yeah. Steve Ducey said that he bombed on yeah. Fox and Friends. He did I not remember bomb. that. No. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, maybe in, in front of that room he bombed, but like millions of people were cheering for him because he was saying very true things in a very funny way. And in the same way, Michelle Wolf was mm-hmm. yeah. very, very insightful, very smart, very like screamingly funny. Oh, God, yes. that must be one of the most like intimidating rooms to walk into. I'm sure. And she didn't mm-hmm. give a shit. It was I awesome. I love that. <laughs> I love that. No, I love the, she said like this line in the beginning, something to the effect of like, should have done more research and then just keeps doing more <laughs> well, jokes. I mean, the White House Correspondents Dinner in general is gross, right? Because it's politicians and and reporters and journalists rubbing elbows in a way that shouldn't happen with an independent press like it's very gross it's very revealing in the sense that it is a very exclusive um bougie club they're probably all boning yeah they're not they're not you know oppositional forces and the white house correspondence center makes that very clear then they hire a comedian to do her thing yeah. she does her thing and they're offended so it's like what the fuck is this it's thing for i wanted you to tell jokes that were nice like not even that it was that wasn't even a mean joke she yeah. did that's what yeah. gets me yeah <laughs> <laughs> and she like attacked everyone 
equally. Like that's the thing. Yeah, she she <sighs> attacked everyone equally. <laughs> she, no, she did. Roasted everyone yes. equally. Exactly. Yeah, but it was the fact that she went after conservatives mm-hmm. at all and went after the media at all yes. that suddenly calling her act offensive but not calling xenophobia racism fascism offensive just shows how big of a joke our press is yes you know like first of all she didn't use a single word of vulgarity but this is kind of like i'm very touchy about this because that's an accusation that's been levied at me because i swear a lot and people are like oh it's vulgar and i'm like why is my language offensive to you but mass poverty like like climate change these huge international problems are not offensive to you i i'm immediately suspect of anyone who's like i find an outspoken woman offensive but everything else gotta be more ladylike (laughs) cross your legs right don't say cunt (laughs) oh god institutional racism is classy though let's keep it classy keep it classy but right never mind (laughs) white supremacy classy as fuck hell fine great let's sign me up yeah i mean so kudos to michelle wolf the reason i'm putting it in the good news section of the show is she did a great job i definitely think it needed to happen obviously a lot of these people needed to hear the shit she was saying and she didn't fucking insult sarah huckabee sanders appearance no No. she did not let's all go home do a smoky eye i can't this is a really i did a smoke i did a daytime smoky eye for you for new year's yeah Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Using Rachel to do it for you. Yeah. This is a weird thing with conservatives. So, like, this happened to me a while ago. They don't like um, smoky eyes? They don't like smoky <laughs> eyes. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I do an impression of Jan Brewer on the show sometimes. And she ha- was at some event. And she was very dressed up. And she looked great. And someone tweeted it to me. And I said, she looks so beautiful. The crying face. Because, like, the tears of joy yeah. not laughing yes crying. yes yes the and um uh, what's her name i forget uh she's a very big conservative pundit um she retweeted it and she's like liberals making fun of conservative women's appearance and i was like i wasn't what? i said she was beautiful i actually mean she's beautiful but it's almost like they can't imagine that liberals would sincerely compliment <sighs> a conservative Someone. woman's appearance they're like they must be because that's what we would do we would make fun of a liberal woman's appearance yeah right? therefore they must not be sincere when Michelle Wolf is saying that she's really good at doing a smoky eye, which she is. She is. <laughs> she does the eye well. She's got her eye makeup down, She knows guys. how to blend. She uses oh. a transition shade. Yeah. But Trump can get up there and call women fat, say mm. grim by the That's pussy. Fine. It's mm. not cool. offensive, mm. not vulgar. No. We in the media won't really call him out for it. We'll but let it pass. he'll still win the presidency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'll become president. You know. That's all fine. But let's kill no. Michelle Wolf for kill talking her. about us. Right. Yeah. She's a witch. She's a witch. Burn her. Burn her at the stake. Uh, and then the other g- good piece of news. Yeah. Yes. Bill Cosby found guilty in uh, sexual bye, assault bye. retrial. Bye-bye. So obviously this is great news. It's a great victory for the Me Too movement. I'm so happy for the um, countless women who have come forward with accusations uh, that Cosby raped them. Um, So he was, just to recap for everyone, he was retried on three felony counts of aggravated indecent assault 
for drugging and sexually assaulting Andrea Constant in 2004. So Constant, who is 44 now, was a former women's basketball coach at Temple University, where Cosby was a trustee and major donor during the time he assaulted her. Oh, also update to the story. Temple University rescinded their honorary degree Good. that they gave him. <clears throat> Good. Um, so obviously this is great. The only asterisk I'll put next to it is it's very telling that he is the only famous mm -hmm. sexual abuser, rapist, yeah. who has been held accountable in a court of law. Harvey Weinstein has not. Nope. Um, any of the other white <laughs> celebrities yeah. have not been held accountable yet. And this is great, but it can't be the end no. of yeah. justice. No, no. <clears throat> Please, no. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do you guys have any thoughts? I was, ta I was talking to my mom about this, and she was, like, still so surprised that anything happened? No, she's oh. still so surprised that Bill Cosby's a bad man. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I I don't know. I feel like I'm so I don't trust anyone. I yeah. I was like, you know what? Yeah. I'm not surprised. He was a powerful man. Sure. Like that gets to you or you get to a place of power because you're yeah. not a great person. I, don't, I just go ahead. Uh, I was going to say I I just like in uh, of course this is like a generality but like when men do bad stuff i'm like oh it, he's being a man yeah it, like well, doesn't really i think it shows how much society has changed and how much progress we've made to frame this in a positive way because bill cosby admitted that he raped women in the 70s it was part of his act he there are recordings of him I saying did not know that yeah that he slipped women drugs it, it was considered fuck? a party drug in the 70s and it was not considered rape Jesus. It was rape, but in the legal definition and how society considered it, it was like a party thing. You could drug a woman, she could be unconscious, and you could rape her, and they'd be like, oh, that was consensual sex. I'm going to flip a table. What the fuck? So we, we had recordings of it. So it just took forever to It took forever. Everybody in the comedy anything. community knew. Everybody knew. That's it. Th my mom was like, I don't think Felicia Vashad knew, because my oh, mom loves yeah. her. And I was like, no, Everybody she... Knew had to have known yeah but then again it's like <clears throat> yeah it's hard it's a, it's a weird it's a weird situation because like yeah and then like obviously attitudes started to change there were rumblings of people saying like hey that's fucked up and then hannibal said something mm -hmm. yeah. and i mean hannibal said something because so many people had some said something before hannibal yes. yeah and then it was just right time right place his blue up. He's a man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he was saying something. And I think also the fact that he's a black man. Yes. Yeah. Criticizing a very famous black comedian. So it blew up in the media. And that's when everything started. But by then the culture had changed so much because of the tireless hard work of women, the Me Too movement um, in its original incarnation, which was started by a black woman. Mm -hmm. um, there, They laid all of the groundwork and then Hannibal came and said the right thing at the right time and then it blew up. Yes. But had Hannibal said something before all of that hard work was done, probably wouldn't have. Society wouldn't have changed right. as much as it had. It was the fact that we now have different ideas of what consent means, what yes. rape means, who can be held accountable for rape now, even if you're so famous like Bill Cosby, it's like but let's also remember too, he is an extraordinary serial predator. I mean, he uh, 
I, we don't even know how many women he assaulted. And I don't think we'll ever have the full figure. No. But how let's, many, let's say it had been five women who came forward. Five, yeah. That's five women. Five but would it many. have been enough for the media to take it seriously? It was that Time Magazine cover that came out of. with the empty chair, you know, where it was all the women and then the empty chair that yeah. was like, and how many more? Else? Yeah. I think it was the fact that it was such an extraordinary case of a serial rapist who was extremely famous, which is why, and he's a black man. Yeah. That, that's loaded too. So I think it's very telling that he's the only one so far who's been held accountable in a court of law. I'm glad that it happened, we but it's also like more. Harvey Weinstein needs to be up there. Yes. With him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It can't just He's be the same deal. I mean, how many women has Harvey Weinstein well, fucking raped? And it, and it can't be, it can't just be a, Oh, this is going to like tarnish your reputation. You need to be, Punished. punished yeah there needs to be a serious serious consequences beyond you get kicked out of your production company or you you lose work it's not enough you no. lose a friend no you yeah. need to be behind bars like i do think it's important temple university rescinded his degree because yeah just personally like i know that meant a lot to him when they gave him mm-hmm. that and i think he needs to feel that his legacy is now irreparably destroyed. Yeah, yeah. no. All of the no one works to be put associated in. with no. you anymore. No. No one respects you anymore. To me, that feels like these women will never have full justice, obviously, no, because never. they can't get back, you know, their time and, and what they've lost. But it certainly would be satisfying to know that he knows... Mm-hmm. Everyone hates him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No one respects him anymore. <sighs> what were we gonna say? Uh, I lost it. <laughs> but you summed it up, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did sum it up. Yeah, yeah you did. You fucking nailed it. So I'm um, very happy for the women who came forward and were so brave and mm-hmm. risked like all of the bullshit in the media <sighs> yeah. in order to make sure that he's held accountable. Yes. Yeah. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Sarah Benacasa for thank doing you, the Sarah. show. Again, please follow her on Twitter. Thank you to Rachel and Chloe for guest hosting with me. Please follow them on Twitter at Real Slim Chata at It's the Chew. They're both on Instagram as well with their little stories. Oh, oh we got those stories. stories. Chloe posted an insane story last night from oh someone. I don't even know what was happening. I just saw you like. <laughs> It was because it was because Robin was playing. So I was like, everyone has to hear Robin. <laughs> great, great, it was so good, perfect logic. And <laughs> guys, Light Trees and News is one hundred percent listener supported. Yes. yes. So if you're in a position to do so, please go to lighttreason.news, click the donate button. You can support the show for as little as five dollars a month or a one-time donation. It means the world to me. It's the only way I'm able to keep going. So I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. Have a wonderful day. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. Bye. Bye -bye. Love you.